Today is the third Sunday in Lent, and throughout Lent we're following the Gospel of John. We're looking at the different parts of Jesus' story that will lead us to Good Friday and on to Easter morning. As I was reading today's scripture lesson from the Gospel, I felt that perhaps the most striking feature of the account is what John doesn't mention. And that is what Jesus was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane prior to being arrested. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the other gospel writers, give us more detail. When in the garden, Jesus took Peter, James, and John aside and asked them to accompany him while he prayed. Then moving further into the garden, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed asking that if it was possible, the cup might pass from him. The cup of sorrow, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional. But John says nothing of the tears, the bloody sweat that fell from his brow, the fact that he prayed three times and each time his three disciples fell asleep and had to be wakened by Jesus, or of his strengthening by a messenger from God at the end of his wrestling with what he knew was to come. All John says is, when he had finished praying, that's praying in the upper room after washing his disciples' feet, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. What John records is the picture of Jesus after the garden event, moving forward with strength and in full command of what was happening. This is what John wants us to see, especially as Jesus relates to others in the story, Peter, Judas, the religious and Roman authorities, and the events as they unfold, betrayal, denial, trials, violence. As I thought about how Jesus was able to face all of this, I kept coming back to prayer. Not just the prayer in the upper room when he prayed for others, for his disciples and for those who would follow, or the prayers he prayed in Gethsemane by himself and for himself, but how prayer was an important part of Jesus' life. Jesus prayed often. We're told that he prayed early in the morning, late at night, and even all through the night. He prayed before critical events in his life. He prayed as he ministered to and taught others. He prayed for others. Now, this is not primarily a sermon about how to pray. Trust me, there is probably nothing about prayer that I know that you don't. It's basically talking to God. I can't teach you any formulas, no specific words that must be included or said that make your prayer more acceptable to God. And there aren't any practical tips to be given to maximize and optimize your prayer life. We already have Jesus' example for that. I only wanted to remind us what an amazing resource for our lives and for the life of the world it is. That there's a a great deal about prayer that we can learn from Jesus' example. 
and that perhaps in these current times it should be our focus as we come together. Because I don't know about you, but these past few weeks have felt like we are in another season that needs a lot of prayer. Sometimes prayer doesn't come naturally to us because it implies dependence. And from the time we are babies, we are taught to be independent, self-reliant, self-sufficient. We learn to feed ourselves. We learn to walk without holding onto somebody's hand. We move out into the world. And yet at some point in our lives, many of us will turn to this thing called prayer. But often prayer is something that we're glad nobody else can hear or see us doing. After all, those things I mentioned earlier, what if I'm not doing it right? What if we're not using the right words? Lurk at the back of our minds, along with thoughts like, what if God's too busy to hear me? And what if I'm just talking into thin air? In the early years of the internet, the email address of Bill Gates of Microsoft was published in the New Yorker magazine. So suddenly, anyone could communicate with the computer genius, and they did. In one day, he was swamped with more than 5,000 messages, and it was more than one human being could handle. So he armed his computer with a program that filtered through his emails, allowing only important messages to get through, and sending other letters into electronic oblivion. They basically did disappear into thin air. But then people are limited, and they can handle only so much communication. God, on the other hand, never tires of our prayer, a sort of spiritual email. His lines are always open, and he has unlimited capacity to respond. I'm glad that God doesn't put any restrictions on our prayers, and that there's no end to what he wants to hear about. God never has a busy signal, messages to him never bounce back to sender unheard and there are no word limits. Clement of Alexandria, a second and third century Christian theologian and philosopher said this, prayer is conversation with God. And the bottom line is we don't need to impress God with a, the volume or the intricacies of our words. Children often say it best because they say it the way it is. And I want to share with you a prayer from a book called Dear God. Dear God, I learned in school that you can make butterflies out of caterpillars. I think that's cool. What can you do for my sister? There's no getting away from it. The prayers of children are from the heart. They don't mask anything, they're straightforward, they're simple, which is how it should be for us. Because prayer involves ordinary people bringing their concerns to a loving and compassionate God. There's no need for pretense. We don't have to pretend to be more holy, more saintly than we actually are. We don't need to inform God or persuade God or dazzle God with our words. Prayer is about sharing our needs concerns and our burdens with God who already knows what we need and who wants us to realize that he is with us every step of the way and that often in speaking to him we can feel the load lighten 
just as it would be if we were sharing our feelings with another, with a friend. We shouldn't worry if we struggle with finding the words. I like Eugene Peterson's translation from Paul's letter to the Romans, who assures us, if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. The Spirit does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. It's a wonderful assurance that no matter how inadequate we feel we are, no matter if we stumble over words, no matter if we think we're totally incoherent, it's okay. The Holy Spirit is able to take it all and present it to God. He's able to take the prayer that comes from the depths of our being, but which we can't get to come out of our mouths. And he brings it before God, whole and perfect. Prayer is not just a job for the professionals, nor is it for a select few. It's for all. Sometimes we can find benefit in using the words of others. We can use the words of some of the amazing hymns that we have access to, like, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me, as shared and led by Rachel. Or we can use the words of scripture as a place to start, as David will do in a few moments. Or we can use some of the resources that others like these words from the Iona community have created to be shared. And this is in relation to what's going on in the world at any time. So here are the words of, from the Iona community. We are members of a family, the human family, which in the ancient land of Ukraine is torn by tension, suspicion, hatred, hunger, killing, and death. We are troubled by cruelty and disaster such as we have never known, and we are unclear of the cause and unsure of the remedy. We believe that God accepts confusion as well as concern and has never been deaf to the cries of anger, fear, and hopelessness in the face of injustice. We are the body of Christ, in which if one part suffers, the other parts pray to heal it and help to bear it. Prayer might not immediately change the world for us, but it can change us and it can give us the courage to face it. It's said that prayer is the oil that keeps the lamp of faith burning, that the fruit of prayer is faith, the fruit of faith is love, and the fruit of love is service, and the fruit of service is peace. And peace is an amazing gift. It's not a sit back and do nothing kind of peace, but an energizing peace, one that focuses our hearts and our minds 